the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hey, friends, welcome back to The Common Good here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. My name is Brian Fromm. So glad to have you with us today. And I'm thrilled to be joined uh, by the director of the Sexual and Gender Identity Institute at my alma mater at Wheaton College. That is Dr. Mark Yarhouse. Mark, how are you doing today? Yeah, I'm doing really well, Brian. Thank you. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Thanks so much for doing this. Uh, let's start with a question I'm sure you get often, and that is probably people asking why does Wheaton College even have a uh, in, uh, a sexual and gender identity institute? So, how did this come about? And then, what is it? What's your mission? What are you guys trying to do? Yeah. So, um, so I had I ran an institute at my previous institution for several years. It's been just a part of a line of research that I've done that came out of mentoring I received when I was a graduate student, actually, and. Um, and uh, uh, an institute sort of formalized that research lab experience, okay. and it was the result of a lot of interest in the topic. Um, seemed like there weren't Christians in this space in the field that I study in, in psychology. The Christians outside of psychology, I think, sometimes weren't as familiar with some of the research that I'd been studying, even as a graduate student in, in, in this mentoring relationship. So it felt like a matter of kind of stewardship. But like, so I've, I've had all this experience working for someone with expertise in this area. And so formalizing that into an institute. And then I came to Wheaton about four years ago, um, and I moved the institute up here. So it's called the Sexual and Gender Identity Institute. And the mission is to study um, the experiences of people navigating sexual and gender identity and faith. And what is that intersection like? What's the experience like? And how can we be a resource to the church, to those people, uh, to the community around us? No, that's wonderful. And uh, as I told you, at least off air, I'm a pastor. Uh, and so we talk to, you know, this, this show is very kind of church centric. You know, we want the church to do well. Uh, and so what I would love to know is, this is really a big question. I'm sure it's hard to do in a short amount of time. How's the church doing? Are you increasingly encouraged or discouraged by a kind of the evangelical church here in America as it relates to the topic of sexual and gender identity? Just conversations being, I know you've used the phrase a cultural ambassador. Uh, how would you kind of assess where the church is at right now? Yeah, that, I mean, the church is so broad and so diverse. Uh, there are definitely pockets of the church that I think are engaging this well. Um, I think because we're in a society that's very polarized anyway, politically, socially around, then you get this kind of a topic that to some feels very threatening. And, and uh, so, you, so you have very strong responses to this. And the way that I talk about this is that um, – we either, I think the models that we see in front of us, maybe mostly in social media, but sometimes on Sunday would be 
either the culture warrior or the mm-hmm. cultural capitulator. And so the warrior is, you know, this is a huge threat. I need to advance my cause. I need to defend against. I need to respond in turn. And so the warrior mentality, um, I think, can dominate and get uh, amplified in social yeah. media and in those those spaces. So that becomes one model. Another model that Christians follow sometimes is I call cultural capitulation, where it's kind of like their Christian worldview doesn't seem to map onto any of these conversations. They sort of like, okay, there's 75 genders, there's 75 gen- They just don't seem to like want to engage it for whatever reason. You know, they mean, mean well, but they're just not um, critically consuming uh, social trends in these conversations. So I think there are areas where the church kind of is in either of those spaces, and they're not particularly good models for the broader church to sort of rise to the occasion. So I'm arguing more for like, I'm suggesting more ambassadorship, which I think maps on better to our Christian witness to, to be ambassadors of the kingdom of God around mm. these topics. Yeah. So what does that look like? What does it look like for a church to say, we don't want to be the warrior or the capitulator, but we want to be this ambassador. What does that look like? Yeah. So think about it this way. You're representing one kingdom to another, to the broader society, the broader culture around us. You represent that kingdom. So that representation is often through relationships. It's through things that we say, the posture we hold. So I recommend uh, three C's. Uh, to sort of just guide our thinking around this. And the three C's are Christian conviction, um, Christian civility, and com- Christian compassion. So we should have a convicted civility seasoned with compassion. And I remember reading one, I, this is not original to me, the three C's, maybe I pulled that together a little bit, but um, Richard Mao talks about how in Uncommon Decency, how we need to have Christians who have both convictions and civility. He saw around him, uh, you can have Christians who are so strong on convictions. Uh, they're the culture warriors, if you will, but they're just not nice people. You just don't want them to represent you to the broader culture. But on the other hand, you have Christians who are so strong on compassion that you have no idea what they believe in mm. and are so strong on um, civility. You have no idea what they believe in. So just being civil uh, can sometimes lead to a kind of, you know, uh, capitulation and just kind of letting things go and not really playing your hand and things like that. So, okay. So conviction, civility, and then compassion. I mean, these are spaces like with gender and gender discordance and we call dysphoria. Yeah. You have people who are sometimes hurting in ways that, that many of us have never experienced. So can we have a little bit of compassion for what that experience must yeah. be like? If you've never experienced discordance, if your gender identity maps on to your biological markers, your chromosomes, your, you know, your anatomy and so on and so forth. Okay. If if that maps on for you and it does for the majority of people, um, can we have a little bit of compassion for people whose experiences that it's discordant Mm. and what's that like? Does it mean you're commending anything? You're not championing anything. You're just understanding with a compassionate heart, the challenges that might be present for that person, the decisions they're facing. Hmm. Uh, let's take it away from the church and go to one that's much more difficult and more personal. What about parents out there right now whose children, you're a psychologist, you, you're, you, you've really studied this stuff. Uh, what about that parent who, whose kid is kind of showing some signs of maybe some gender confusion, maybe some questioning? Uh, what does it look like in the home to love and support your kid, but also get them 
you know, get them to a counselor or whatever else it might be. How do you speak to parents who are kind of navigating this? Yeah. Yeah. So part of it is, um, is helping to identify their sources of anxiety and their fears. And ultimately from, from a parenting standpoint, you want to kind of reduce what I would call fear-based ways of parenting. I think most parents looking back on their parenting would say that they didn't parent at their best when they parented out of fear. Mm. And so the, the best way to respond to that is to name those fears, identify what those are. What are the sources of anxiety? Like what if my child is, has this gender discordance? What if they're dysphoric? What if they're gay? What if they're trans? Like you could have all these kind of fears. Let's name that. Let's talk about that. Let's process that. And you're doing that so it doesn't come out sideways in unintentional ways when you're interacting with your child. So like, let's say a parent of a young child, a, a, a boy growing up and the boy um, at like six grabs a towel and puts it around his waist and says, mom, I've got a dress on like you've got a dress on, or he puts it around his head and says, mom, I've got long hair. Like you've got long hair. Well, first of all, nine times out of 10, he's just playing and having right. fun. And a lot of kids will do that. It's not, gender dysphoria it's you know now someone who has gender dysphoria would definitely do things like that to communicate to their parents something's going on and they might not have the words and language for it yet but nine times out of ten that kid the boy who puts high heel shoes on and says mom i've got high heel shoes on like you've got high heel shoes i mean that's a lot of kids do that right so you don't want as a parent to react to that out of fear uh where you sort of you know um you know, like lash out against the child verbally and you're, you're sort of telling them how wrong that is and you're, things like that. I mean, a parent might just say, you might just coach the parent to say, oh, you found my towel. That's great. I wasn't sure where I put it. Would you throw it in the hamper? Nine times out of 10, kid throws it in the hamper. You're going on, you're having breakfast, you're moving about your day. And that's kind of within the range of what we would expect for most children. But if a child has gender dysphoria and you're wondering about those questions, that child tends to circle back to that time and time again to try to communicate to you something about their experience that they can't yet put into words. So that might be a reason to say, you know, I want to just talk with someone about that and check that out. It wouldn't be a one-off, not one thing like I just described. It'd be several things. They might actually right. say something like, why did God give me... Um, you know, this, this body that I have, or could we pray that I was, would be different in these ways? I mean, parents will remember these, these conversations. They're, they kind of stand out. So if you start to collect those stories and they're over time, like for many, many months or longer, then okay, let's have that conversation. But, you know, again, most cases, those kinds of, um, uh, expressions, those kind of things are not something to be concerned about. Oh, that's a good word. Again, uh, Dr. Mark Yarhouse is the director of the Sexual and Gender Identity Institute at Wheaton College. Mark, before we let you go, where can people connect with you if they want to read more of your stuff or kind of see what's going on at the Institute? Where can they connect with you? Yeah, so I'm at, I'm at Wheaton. So it's wheaton.edu backslash SGI for Sexual and Gender Identity Institute, so SGI. Uh, that's the best spot to find us in terms of our institute, things that I'm doing when I'm speaking. Resource-wise, the book that just came out uh, this month is called Talking to Kids About Gender Identity. And there's mm. a lot of this example of what is – I really play off of the ambassadorship 
example, the convictions, the civility, yeah. the compassion of a lot of scripting between parents and children so that it gives you kind of language. I'm kind of saying, borrow my language. You could use this in your conversation. Right. There's no need to be afraid or step back from this. You can lean into this conversation and have good shaping conversation because your child's an ambassador at their school as well. So you want to really pour into them in these ways. That's right. Again, Dr. Mark Yarhouse, director of the Sexual and Gender Identity Institute at Wheaton College. Dr. Yarhouse, thanks so much. This was wonderful. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Thanks, Brian. Appreciate the time with you. Yep. You're listening to The Common Good, AM 1160. Hope for your life. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 